Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Cult Popcha Podcast. I'm your host for this evening or whatever time of day of listening to this, uh, Richard Martin, and I'm joined by... Jess, yeah, Hi. and <laughs> and Jeremy, yeah, the two J's. You, have you guys ever noticed that? that your name starts with the same. You know, a lot of people have names starting with J. I've I've actually John. Got, I've got my manager at work starts with J, and I'm about to have two people reporting to me who both start with J. My brother's name starts with J. My dad's start name starts with J, and my best friend at like for most of my life has been called J. As in, they've been different people, but I just I will only have a best friend. <laughs> it's just the same. It's just the same person. Yeah. Well, fun fact: seventy five percent of the world is actually called Jess. So, uh, yeah, it's oh, and eighty percent of the world's dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's real good. It also sounds very similar to yes. So and a hundred percent of the females in this room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun fact. Anyway, today we're speaking of which. Today we're talking about uh, films that have changed their directors, and we're going to be talking about films. And what the thing that these films have in common is that all change their director at some point. Controversial. <laughs> and so we're going to have a chat about where we can, what we know of the original director's vision, how that changed, and if the original version would have been any good. Which, of course, they're all going to be way better. Of course. Movies are terrible, but they always <laughs> were meant to be good. That's right. And one recent... Recent, recent, one recent example, uh, which nicely ties into what we're doing, is uh, Marvel's Ant Man. The sequel came out last week, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, but the original was going to be directed by Edgar Wright. He was attached to the project for a very long time, since about uh, 2004 or something, before the MC, before Iron Man, before the MCU existed. He was developing an Ant Man film and. About a month before he was supposed to start production, him and Marvel uh, parted ways, and they brought on director Peyton Reed uh, of Bring It On, and uh, he directed some episodes of New Girl. Uh, but I think he he put up a pretty competent film. Can you imagine though being like being Paul Rudd and being like, man, I'm going to get to work with like this classic comedy director yeah. Edgar Wright. This is so exciting. And then you turn up like it's like the first day of school. Like you get, I don't know if you guys ever found out who your teacher was going to be. Like, you know how like you, you know that you're going up to the next year of school and it's, you know, one of two teachers and you're like, oh, I could either get the real bitch or the real fun new young teacher. And you get told before you're going to, you know, before you leave school the year before, oh, you're going to get the real cool fun teacher. And then you like, <laughs> You come to school the first day, and it turns out the real fun teacher's been fired, and you've just got two yeah, for horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. We just laughed at that. That's awful. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, yeah. I went to a country school. But anyway, like, imagine, yeah, imagine Paul Rudd. He's just like, oh, 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw an interview with Michael Douglas and he was talking about, he was like, oh, I was, he's, I was really excited to work with Eagle Wright, but you know, and so, I was like, it's cool that Michael Douglas knows who Eagle Wright like, is. I anyway. like, I like Bring It On as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jess? Oh, well, so like how long had he been attached to the project? Because he did the first one, right? He did Ant-Man and then he no, was so, so developing he, the second one and then he was... No, Eagle Wright? Yeah. No, so he was attached to Ant-Man for almost a decade. Uh, and the then one. and then the yeah. first one and then left a month before the first one shot. Oh, but he's still credited, right? Uh, he's credited uh, as story by. So uh-huh. they what they did was they him and uh, his writing partner, whose name I've just forgotten, um, they like wrote the script together, went over numerous drafts over years and years, and then uh, presumably because it had to be tied too much to the MCU, it kind of fell apart. But they. Uh, yeah, they ended up bringing Paul Rudd and Adam McKay, who's behind Anchorman, Big Short. He, they like touched up the script, and in Hollywood, it's like if you do enough work on a script, you can get the like sole credit on it. So they ended up being script by, but story by Edgar Wright kind of thing. So story uh, by, yeah. like if I was like, hey, Jess, I want to make a movie about a boy wizard who lives under the stairs, and you're like, cool, you take that and write a script based on it. I came up with the story, but you write the script. Okay. But you didn't yeah. come up with the story because OMG, that's that's not an original property. Oh my God. It's just, it like, not? It's just like Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Oh yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just remember like naively watching Ant-Man and being at the end of it like, oh, you could write, cool. And then obviously <laughs> had no, no idea. Uh, yeah. So, but he, uh, Peyton Reed, because he only had a month to do pre-production and Edgar Wright had almost 10 years. A month. Yeah. Or Jesus something like that. A couple of months. Um, but they, he got all of Edgar Wright's storyboards and stuff like that. So you can kind of feel Edgar Wright's footprint on the film. Edgar Wright directed a like proof of concept for Ant-Man that got played at Comic-Con a few years ago. And uh, yeah, it's just like a quick shot. It's the scene where he's like running up to them and he like jumps on the gun and then punches the guy in the face to just show like Ant-Man can look cool because he's kind of a lame superhero. But then, so Peyton Reed was able to come on, take all those storyboards. So you do still feel, sort of feel that kinetic Edgar Wright style. But then now that Ant-Man and the Wasp is out, we can kind of see what just Peyton Reed's version of it is like. And so, so, so Peyton Reed is directed the second one. Yeah, so he's yeah. directed the second one as well. How like how demotivating would it be to come on to a movie and like just have to use the previous director because the previous director has basically come up with the story and was storyboarding it and everything. Yeah, like and he's then you're like, a suit oh, I'm just gonna and, like paint by numbers and color in the lines that were given to me by someone else. Yeah, but what yeah. if that someone else was Edgar Wright? But that would make I'd me feel stoked. almost worse. It's just like, you know, th- this is the true artist and I'm just kind of fiddling around. Yeah, I guess. It's kind of like, I wonder if he felt like he's always like standing in his shadow. Yeah, I, like, I don't envy... Like, when Edgar Wright left, I was like, I do not envy whoever has to take over that role. Because there, there was a lot of talk. Cause, but it was interesting because all the names they were looking at were like... It was like David Wayne, who did, like, They Came Together, We Hold American Summer, uh, Adam McKay, who was mentioned before. Like, so they were just looking at just comedy directors, and Edgar Wright is so much more than a comedy director. He's, like, an action director that's really good at comedy because, like, he's, his action and his kinetic energy is great. And I think Peyton Reed did a, a good job, and, I mean, we don't know how much better... Uh, Edgar Wright's version could have been but we're here today to speculate about that and what it could have been uh, we I we don't know too much about what Adam McKay and uh, Paul Rudd added to the script but I think we do know that the idea of the final battle taking place in his daughter's bedroom that was added by Adam McKay and Paul Rudd which is like one of my favorite parts of the film so 
be interesting to know what Edgar Wright had planned. Yeah. What do you guys think? <laughs> I've never seen either Ant-Man or Ant-Man and the Wasp, so oh, I'm, I'm just operating out of complete... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I know I'm in the presence of literal Marvel fanboys and girls who have a Captain America shield as the coffee table we're recording on. Uh, but yeah, I, sorry, I didn't watch it. <laughs> Jess, what do you think? Um, you're a fan of Edgar Wright and you're a fan of Ant-Man. I'm not very good at speculating, you know, because I don't feel like I can come up with ideas that potentially these other people could have come up with but yeah. i just want to know like why did edgar wright pick out ant-man like i wonder what he was doing when he was like oh this random obscure marvel character i'll turn him into a big franchise yeah but it's, it's cool like because he wasn't like oh i want to do a marvel cinematic universe film and then flick through your local comic book store and go oh ant-man that sounds cool and, and research it he was like I want to do an Ant-Man film when all we had was Spider-Man and X-Men oh, and, wow. yeah. and Batman. So he was like, oh, I, like he was attached to this. And then, you know, they came up with Iron Man. And then they were like, oh, we'll do Incredible Hulk as well. And then Thor and Captain America, the Avengers. And then all of a sudden, if you wanted to do an Ant-Man film to have the rights to it, it has to, it, fit, it has in. to fit in. And everyone kind of assumes that that's why he's left. Well, we haven't had like confirmation of that yet. Because he just wanted to do a kick-ass character movie. Yeah, but then, like, Ant-Man isn't really connected to the MCU. It does have a scene with Falcon in it, but that, that's kind of like the obligatory, oh, you're a new character, I'll say good day and give you a thumbs up. Like, Doctor Strange had that Thor's in the post credit scene. Pat like, you on the back kind of thing. But yeah. the thing is, he even, like, he even gets a pat on the back from, like, a really shitty Avenger. Like, yeah. Yeah. Falcon, oh, yeah. Yeah, it does feel yeah. really separate, like how in Deadpool they're in the... X-Men mentioned the whole time and you don't see anyone else. It's kind of like a, a bit of a nod to it, but it's almost like we can't afford to have the Iron Man in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like so, with, the, with the Sony deal, it was like, oh, you can, Sony, you can make a Spider-Man movie, but we have to like oversee it and you have to put Iron Man in it because yeah. like, you know, some people know it's one of ours, but yeah, it is, it is interesting to speculate. And uh, cause the thing with Peyton Reed is that like, the director, whoever the director would end up being, taking on the role of Edgar Wright's film, it's like you either you're gonna bomb, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, I knew it would bomb without Edgar Wright," or it's gonna do well and be like, "Yeah, but think about how much better it could have been." Or it's only good because of how much work Edgar Wright did yeah. in the first place, and he just managed not to fuck it up. Yeah, so it, it is a bummer, but I think Payne Reed did a good job. And looking at Ant Man and the Wasp, there, there's still a lot of cleverness in there, and. Yeah, yeah, I only really, oh, this is bad, but, you know, essential Edgar Wright, I only really know his style from, you know, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and stuff. So yeah. to translate that British humour into, like, an American sort of, like, I, I don't know how it could have been any different. Yeah. yeah, Because the, yeah. those two things are so separated in my mind that I don't know how they mm. translate. Yeah, and that was one of my things I said about Ant-Man and the Wasp is that, like, it is the humour's... Like saying it's more American is like yeah, it seems like insulting. But there are there are a lot of scenes that are, that could be straight out of like a Judd Apatow film, or like you know, forty year old version or something like that. Because there's there's like there's a montage of Paul Rudd killing time, and he like reads Fault in Our Stars and cries to himself. And it's like it, the way it just cuts, it's to cut together. That's anyway, very Deadpool though as well. Like yeah, yeah. sort of yeah, undercutting, you know, playing with the masculinity of your hero. You know, yeah, yeah. But um, that's not the only case where that's happened. There's been another very recent case where uh, actually well into production 
uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who you might know from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, um, the Lego movie, 21 and 22 Jump Street. And they were attached to Solo, a Star Wars story. And they got some ways through shooting. It's unclear, uh, but most people think about 60 to 80% shot. And then they were unceremoniously fired by Kathleen Kennedy. And a lot of people say it's because they couldn't kind of work with the Star Wars machine. Like making a Star Wars film is a very well-oiled machine. People have been doing it for years. They've got massive budgets. They've got to deliver on certain times but they're more free-flowing and like to improv on their sets and stuff like that and so they got booted and then ron howard was hired to finish directing the film but due to again weird hollywood rules he had to direct uh about like 60 more than 50 percent of the film basically to get the direct the sole director's credit on it so he ended up reshooting a bunch but like tandy newton said that she didn't she reshoot anything with ron howard so like all she's she's not in the film very much but like her scenes must have been only done with lord and miller but we do know as well that uh paul bettany's character who's in like two scenes was originally michael k williams playing a non-human role through motion capture and then uh, when they wanted to reshoot um they had to he he was was unavailable so they got human paul bettany to play the role Hmm. but um yeah we can these ones we kind of can speculate about, I guess, because did you see Solo, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that it's like it had this. It, it does have the weird kind of a couple of voices on it. Like there are moments where it feels like Lord and Miller maybe would have injected their kind of humor into it. Like one one that I said is like I, I feel like the scene that everyone hates when it's like, um, oh, who, who are your people? Uh, I don't have any people. He's like, all right, I'm going to call you Han Solo. And it's like supposed to be this big, and you, that's how he got his name. And you, feel it, and you feel it coming from the very beginning of the conversation as well. Like it's exactly. so, and so by the time he says Solo, you're like, oh, thank God, there it is. We can move on now. Like, Yeah. Do you guys think that like that would have landed better if it was within the context of a more like comedic movie rather than like solely what I think is a heist movie? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like if 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 it's kind of tongue in cheek, it might work. Yeah, if the film was winking at itself, but like up until that point, you basically have like this huge plot about like, oh man, we're being you know we're basically enslaved on this planet, and we have to like get free, and like you know also Han Solo is like a character that Han Solo is a character that does take himself seriously. He's not, um, you know, he's, and it, it's interesting, you know, perhaps they were trying to do kind of like a Thor with him where like up until now he's taken himself seriously, but this is like the young, cool, fun version yeah, yeah, who doesn't yeah. take himself so seriously and isn't so jaded or whatever, but like, I don't know, it just, yeah, it really fell flat. Yeah, like when those hints of, you know, comedy came through, that it really didn't feel genuine because the rest of the movie takes itself so seriously. But the thing is, yeah. like, I also go with like, and this is one of my sort of, you know, thinking about you know, all the ways that movies have changed and, and kind of doing some thinking before we've come into this podcast. Like, I, I wonder why direct, uh, studios, you know, directors get hot for doing projects that are like their own style, very much their own, yeah. their own thing. And, and they like sort of get this way of, of being that audiences love and, and then studios go, oh man, like this director's like got a fresh new take. This is so cool. Let's get them to do this legacy property of ours that like needs a fresh take because it needs a bit of reinvigoration. But it's like, I mean, 
I think that Taika Waititi is probably the one of the only examples of it really paying off because he, yeah, I think I think Marvel is okay is okay to do that like because James, comic James book Gunn's stuff. another one. It's it's comic book stuff, and so there's an inherent silliness to it. Yeah. Whereas like with the with the proper, like I say, the proper Star Wars properties, like, you know, I mean, Han Solo as a character is pretty much as core to the Star Wars mythos as you can get. You can't really do your own take on that because there's so much canon yeah. that is already in place that you that will be affected, especially if you do something in a prequel. It's just like, oh, see, before he did all of that, he actually did this. Yeah. And so if Lord and Miller were like kind of trying to like play fast and loose or like be kind of cutesy with that and be real winking, I just, I can see why they might've taken them off. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's like similar to what happened with Edgar Wright that when they, when they got fired or like left the project, I was just like, oh, now I have to wait another few years to get a new film from from them yeah like because i was like, oh cool like not only is it ant-man a new marvel movie i'm like cool i'm getting a new eager right film next year but it was like oh now i have to wait and then we and then you know waited another like two years and got baby driver but um <laughs> yeah with lord and miller like I, I, I this was one of my sort of things after the movie is that like it feels like lord and miller would have done something like that talking about that han solo scene where he gets his name doing like I'm going to call you Han alone. No, that doesn't sound good. Like, and then the scene would come, because they do that exact same joke in 21 Jump Street. They're like, all right, you, your new assignment's on Jump Street. 34 Jump Street. No way. And then it cuts to 21 Jump Street. But, like, it, it feels like they were setting themselves up for that kind of joke, because yeah. no one, ca- like, everyone just assumed that was his name, and no one cares how he got it. But because that scene took itself so seriously, it is, yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. the biggest thing that frustrates me with that, like, the no one, you know, we might have seen it, but no one cares how he got it. The biggest thing that's frustrating me in the Star Wars universe at the moment is those stupid, like, dice. Uh, yeah. The yeah. bloody <laughs> dice. Apparently, you know, as of The Last Jedi, oh, yeah, these mean so much. And then it's just like yeah. in Solo, it's just like, oh, I've got to get my dice back from, like, um, Khaleesi. You know, like, <laughs> she boned three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now she's boning my boss. But, like, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Um, like it's like they were put in the last Jedi specifically for Solo, yeah. which is a weird creative decision. But when they haven't, like, I literally well, have and not the noticed. Like, them oh, the they're time. in a new hope, but no one cared or noticed. To be honest, I completely forgot about it until you guys mentioned it just now, and I didn't know yeah. the connection because it just means nothing to me. Yeah, yeah, like um, like ret- retroactive meaning is so frustrating, and that's the problem with prequels is that like they. Yeah, they basically go, hey, this thing... I mean, everyone said it, but, you know, it's like, hey, this thing that you barely noticed in the movie that you loved, well, here's how it got there. Yeah, like like it explains why he calls him Chewie rather than Chewbacca, because he's like, what's your name? Chewbacca. I'm not saying that every time. And it's like, oh, that's why he calls him Chewie. (laughs) Hashtag things people don't say in real life. (laughs) Yeah. Does he not understand, like, the premise of nicknames? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, someone's writing this thing, like, what? And... Um, and like, oh, why does um, Billy D. Williams pronounce it Han when everyone says Han? And it's because Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian's like Han Solo, and he's like it's Han. And he's like, nah, whatever. And so he's putting all these like little things in. Because and but talking about like the kicking someone out of the machine is like uh, similar thing to happen with Rogue One. Gareth Edwards was like, I'm doing Saving Private Ryan meets Star Wars. 
that's awesome. And then they were like, oh, we want it to feel more like a Star Wars film. So they brought someone else in to like reshoot a bunch of it and make it feel more like a saga film. And then after Thor Ragnarok comes out, Kathleen Kennedy goes, I would love to have Taika Waititi direct a Star Wars film. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. And his response to that was so good. He's what like, did he say? Oh, he, on Twitter, he was just like, no, thanks. No. I like to finish my movies. <laughs> oh my That's great. It was awesome. Yeah. It was just like, so like, yeah. yeah, you like with what, with people have tried to inject any personality into their films, you've said no. Mm. And Taika is entirely personality. And, yeah, like, that's just the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. The only way that I think Taika should direct a Star Wars film is if he does a Jar Jar Banks movie. Because it's like, make the character cool. Do you think that there ever will be a Star Wars film that has, like, a different feel to it? Well, rather than, like, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. I think that yeah. um, we're, we're more likely to get it now that um, that Last Jedi and Solo have not performed. Have underperformed. Yeah. yeah, have underperformed because um, I don't know if you've read it, but recently I read an article where they're basically saying that Bob Iger, who's the head of... Oh, is Bob Iger still the head of Disney? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wants to fire Kathleen Kennedy. But the yeah. problem is that um, she has stacked Lucasfilm with so many of like people who are just completely loyal to her that basically if you they would all walk yeah yeah if you or they would just be completely hostile to anyone else who came in but he basically is just like kathleen kennedy's failing to do what she's supposed to do yeah well if you want more information about it check out our podcast from two weeks ago where (laughs) we had an in-depth discussion about the future of star wars so uh that's that's that yeah like i think i I would have liked to see lorna miller's take because Every Lord and Miller movie sounds like a bad idea on paper. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs sounds stupid. And then, like, oh, rebooting, like, doing an R-rated reboot of, like, an 80s TV series shouldn't be shouldn't be good. And then doing a sequel to that shouldn't be good. And then, um, but then what was the other one? Like, no. I guess... The Lego it, movie sounds the, horrible. Yeah. Solo should be good. Yeah, but like, well, like, but everyone says like a Han Solo prequel that sounds like a terrible idea. But the guys who every single film they've done is a terrible idea, then they made a great film. But I don't think it's like the Han Solo movie yeah. actually did sound like a terrible idea. I was like, oh, he's a really great character. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's very hard to cast someone, you know, to to be as iconic as Harrison Ford, but still, like, the idea of it, like, the character, a prequel to that character is is like, I I think it was. It's better than a Boba Fett movie. Like, yeah, well, with Boba Fett movie, you're not like ruining a legacy because he's such like a lame character. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. you got more to play with. Yeah, could um, be some eggs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another uh, film, superhero <laughs> film again. Uh, Justice League came out last year. It was pretty mediocre. I think we can all agree. Did you see it, Jeremy? No. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Uh, and that's the thing. Like. The Ant-Man film that got replaced, like had a director replaced halfway through, was better than The Justice League. Like, in what world is that a sentence that you should be able to say? It's this one. It's this world. Uh, But they had a director change halfway through as well. This one wasn't uh, for quite a scant while. It was for a different reason because Zack Snyder was directing the film and then halfway through his daughter committed suicide and he continued working on it for about a month but was like, I can't do this thing. Joss Whedon to finish it. And... The resulting film feels very much like two different people trying to have their voice on it enough that it, you know, it, it feels like theirs. So you've got <laughs> Zack Snyder's beautiful shots. Like he's he's a master of like visual storytelling, you know, regardless of like what you think about it. 
actual storytelling. But then Joss Whedon, like, all right, okay, we'll make this character the quippy one. And then this character can also be the quippy one. And then for these other three characters, what if they just like quip a lot? And he did the same <laughs> thing to Age of Ultron. But like Batman, Batman's like characterization is that he is humorless to a fault. It's it's a problem that he's so humorless. But in this one, when Superman comes back to life, well, this for a, a mediocre movie that's almost a year old. Um, Superman comes back to life and Batman's like, oh, I don't not like you. Like they they say that he's like oh you don't like me he's like, oh I don't not like you oh, maybe I need to watch this just to hate it like I, lo- I love doing that it's it's not the kind of film you hate it's like if the kind of film you just like oh whatever oh mm. it's because there's no solid plot points like the entire way through it's just kind of like a mess of like oh wouldn't it be cool if this happened and then this happened and then they fight this really lame monster but then they also like, so is it like listening to a seven-year-old wait, tell you a story uh, that they're making up? I'm getting confused between also Batman v Superman, which... Yeah, I that's the point. Like, they're both just like... They're both whatever. Bad-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And well, like, and, 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 you have and half you have, of Justice League in Batman v Superman, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they just decided to introduce Wonder Woman in the middle of... Because yeah. like, this movie get, is so fucking boring, we need a hot chick to like spice <laughs> it up a bit. Yeah, and then you get Wonder Woman's like beautiful like feminist masterpiece, and it's like shows what like powerful, strong character. And then... And uh, you have her in Justice League, and it's just her butt all the time. There's like so many <laughs> shots where it's like everyone's climbing onto something, and it like lingers on her like butt getting up onto like the helipad. But I saw that like the the different um, the different costume choices yeah, for, for like, all the Thymusera, um warriors. Yeah, like that's yeah. So between the two movies, and, and it's just like really, this is the whole point of. I guess this is where they go, but we're not a cinematic universe. But it's just yeah. like if you've got a defining like Wonder Woman movie where it's like this is the official Why would you origin not talk story. About it? Why would you not go like, oh, by the way, this is the costumes that... Yeah, do you, you want know, to use the same costumes? Yeah. Yeah, or like... Um, why don't we have similar costumes, same similar fe- feminist costumes, but like they're way hotter? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was just like, but this is... That was that was back in the Second World... Or the First World War days. This is this is now, and they got slutty. The age of <laughs> Snapchat and sending yeah, nudes. Yeah, like, <laughs> 80 years later, the warriors of Thymocera <laughs> gone wild. Like, they... Um, oh, my God. If that's not the next Jersey Shore, I don't know. <laughs> they're empowered by how much skin they're showing. <laughs> they have... Um, and, like, yeah, the, another thing that happens in Justice League, so we see Atlantis for the first time, where um, Aquaman's from, and... They're like, oh, we need to talk. So they're like, wave their trident and then it creates like an ear bubble and they just stand in there and talk to each other. And everyone was like, well, it's fucking lazy and just looks terrible because like behind them, you just have like a swirl of water. So you don't have to animate like Atlantis or whatever. And then James Wan on Twitter, who's directing the Aquaman movie was like, yeah, like there won't be any ear bubble, ear pockets to talk in in my movie. And it's like, why would you not talk about this? Like, why would you not be like, oh, James, how, how do you want to do the underwater scenes? And he's like, oh, I was thinking about doing it like this. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, we'll do that as well. So it doesn't look stupid. But like, yeah, it's just this, everyone, that's kind of the problem of like Joss Whedon taking over Zack Snyder is that everyone is trying to do their own thing and it's actually detrimental to the films. Well, and they've all got, and the thing is you've also got this limited time. And so Joss Whedon's like, oh, we, you know, we basically have to come up with a solution for this thing right now because we've got, you know, like, a couple of you know just basically a couple of months before we have to get this movie out into the cinemas and then and so instead of going oh well let's have a let's have a sit down meeting with you know the director of the next movie and maybe try and figure out from the producers where like Zach was going to go with this I oh, I'll just come up with my own little workaround yeah 
Yeah, it, it's it's stupid. And it's all just lazy. Like Yeah, it is. And so to speculate what Zack Snyder's one might have looked like, just what do you think? <laughs> oh my god, I've got no idea. Just um, turn the lights off. And then you've got Zack Snyder's vision. Yeah. And get rid of all the humor. Yeah. Yeah. W- and and maybe a little bit more TNA. What? A little bit more TNA. Slow motion TNA. Yeah. Yeah, slow mo yeah, TNA. Yeah. What's TNA? Tits and ass. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, you should know, I'm really <laughs> glad I asked that question. Jesus. Um, I'm just going to slowly... But, <laughs> but another uh, Justice League movie we almost got is Justice League Mortal, directed by uh, George Miller, who you might know from Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. Uh, <laughs> he also directed the Mad Max series, including Mad Max Fury Road. So was but, this due to come out before... Was it? Was he due to start working on this before Fury Road came out or after? Because, uh, well, he was working on Fury Road for like 20 years. Yeah, and yeah. so it would have been before... It would have beat the Avengers by like a couple of years kind of thing. Wow. And so he actually had a the whole film cast and by some accounts they were like a couple of weeks away from shooting and um like Weta had made all the things but it was uh army hammer was playing batman from corn by your name and wow. social network uh, dj katrona from dust or dawn i don't know who that is uh playing superman adam brody from the oc was the flash um i love adam brody <laughs> Uh, Jess is paying attention now. 100% of the women out there, I can just say. Uh, You had Santiago Cabrera, uh, who's from Transformers Last Night as Aquaman, Uh, Megan Gale and Hugh Keysburn from Mad Max Fury Road uh, as Wonder Woman and Martian Manhunter, and Common as Green Lantern. Megan Gale, who's... Common. Who is she? Megan Gale is one of the... Let's uh, have a look, shall we? Pause for for IMDb. Um, But I mean, man, she's an Australian model. George Um, Miller's George Miller's. Oh yeah, she would have been the blonde one with the the, probably. Oh, the super hot wife. Yeah, one one of the super hot wives. And Hugh Keysburn was um, the uh, oh the massive Morton Joe, the bad guy. Oh, really? Yeah, but he's he's also the bad guy, and he's like the toe cutter in Mad Max or Mad Max Two. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't know that. That makes a whole other like layer of that character. The Morton Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just the same actor because he liked working with him, and he's like. Is it supposed to be like a continuation of like the franchise? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't know if it's supposed to. I don't think it's supposed to be the same character, but because he's like unrecognizable as a Morton Joe, so they're just like, yeah, we can put him in this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, one of the best villains ever. Love yeah, him. so good. Anyway, yeah. George Miller's Justice League. I yeah. The thing is, Zack Snyder. I mean, he did a couple of really great movies for the time. He's basically the My Chemical Romance of movies, right? Like, at the time, okay. we all really loved it, and it was really cool. There was a whole aesthetic, and it was like, whoa, And man. look, it's still got its fans. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you, you, you're you, a fan because of how much you loved it then. Yes, nostalgia. You're not like, you're not like oh, this is cutting-edge entertainment for right now you know it's like i i love going back to how much i love that and it still you know feeds me but the thing is that like Zack snyder's aesthetic and his way of doing film has not evolved with the rest of film and so you look at batman v superman and you basically see these like huge visual parallels to like um sin city and you know like it's like watchmen yeah it, he didn't, he didn't do sin city didn't he do who did Sin City? Robert Rodriguez. 
Wow, okay, all right. You're, oh, no, he's changed heaps. If it, if it, if it, if it <laughs> just sit, but, you know. You know. But, yeah, in saying that, I wonder if he ever gets bored with himself. Yeah, well, because the thing is, but that's the thing. I thought that he was the director of Sin City because of how Super similar. Super stylistic, yeah. How, 300, that's like an assault. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So three, 300, I had in my mind 300 in Sin City. But, you know, like, it's just this very, very painted, saturated, artistic, dark screen kind of thing. And it's just like, yeah, I, I, I'm just not, especially not for a property like Batman Batman and Justice League. Like, it's, Batman it's, v Justice League. Well, it's, it's just like if you Spoilers. asked, um, if you like asked Wes Anderson to come and do a Batman movie, and he didn't change any of his like weird stylistic quirks to make it a more mainstream film, he was just like, no, this is my vision, and this is how I'm going to make. Yeah, a movie. I wouldn't expect Wes Anderson to change it though. No, no, no. Exactly. Using him as an example, but I don't that's think the he thing. Would. I wouldn't expect Zack Snyder to change it either, and so that's why he should not be asked to do these movies because he can't. He can't get out of his own style. He's too much well, of an auteur. I, yeah, I think I think he just needs to let other people write them. Like he, he his some of his visual storytelling is amazing. Like you look at like Man of Steel, regardless of what you think about the movie. I love every, Man of Steel. Every single shot in that film could be in the trailer. It's like the trailer yeah. shot that's like, oh my god, that show, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, like he just needs to tell better stories. That's the thing. I, I was so frustrated because I genuinely really liked Man of Steel. I, I mean, I actually. I like pretty much every Superman movie. And it's so funny that it, basically Superman is the one franchise that since Superman 2, no one's been able to technically do a job that everyone's like, oh man, that was so good. But even the Brandon Routh Superman Returns, I really liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it. <laughs> like, I really, really liked, sorry, but Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. Like, I thought that... All right, yeah. and that's all we've got time for today. <laughs> I, I really liked Christopher Plummer as... Um, as, <laughs> as Lex Imagine if they just went back and like replaced... Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer as he is now in every movie that Kevin Spacey's ever done. Yeah. American Beauty would be very different. <laughs> Capex. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think George Miller probably that like George Miller's Justice League Mortal because and the, one of the things that like the whole script I think is online, but it's like it was going to start and end with a funeral, but you didn't know whose it was until the end. And so, a spoiler for a film that's never going to get made, it was The Flashes. Uh, but like The Flash was going to be like the POV character, the audience surrogate kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that could have been one of the best superhero movies of all time. George Miller is an incredible director. I mean, I've you guys have seen Happy Feet. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny because the thing is that George, like everyone, everyone like, kind of didn't really recognize how brilliant he was until Mad Max Fury Road came out. Mm. And then everyone was like, oh my gosh, you can do this. And you're like 80. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go back and watch his film, like um, Witches of Eastwick, um, uh, Lorenzo Zoyle, Happy Feet Happy 2. Feet too, you yeah. can see his visual style in all of it. And it's, it's again, it's like real kinetic. It's it's just fun. And yeah, yeah Lorenzo. Think- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Grinzo's oil is just a mile a minute it's laugh. Just, <laughs> it's so just fun. an absolute romp. Uh, Man, yeah, that movie's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Yeah, I think th- this is one of the ones that I'm like quite sad we we didn't get, and because especially the Justice League movie we ended up getting because it seems like they m- must have been abandoned to do the cinematic universe. Mm. But I mean, we got Mad Max Fury Road out of it, so yeah. it's not all bad. I ain't mad. Still, the movie that I've been to the movies to see it the most. Really? How many I mean, times? Six you go? times at oh, the movies to geez. see Fury Road. Oh wow! Oh yeah. Fury Road was the first film that I cried in just because it was so beautiful. <laughs> I was watching it in IMAX and it was that scene with the dust film and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, like the thing is that because everyone was like, oh, it's a Mad Max movie, like so weird to get a sequel this many years later. I The reason I went six times is because I literally had to take people. I was just like, you should go see it. And they're like, oh yeah. And then I'm like, no, 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 let's go see it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're coming. Yeah, so by, the, movie. By, by the third time, I was just like literally sitting there like looking at the person <laughs> as they're watching it like, see, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, the thing about Mad Max, it's like the perfect of that kind of movie. Yeah. Like you're never going to try and do that kind of movie better. It's so pure. Yeah. Like it's yeah, just, it's incredible. let's chase them there. Let's chase them back. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. for some reason it works. Right, another um, big famous director that uh, was attached to a superhero movie that we never got was James Cameron <gasps> uh, was going to do a Spider-Man film in the 90s. When? Starring, in the 90s. Yeah. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio as everyone's favorite neighborhood web slinger. And the thing about this was it was going to be a little bit more adult. It had... Uh, like Basketball Diaries Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot more, uh, you know, the web is his semen kind of allegory. Oh, um, Jesus. So like the script... Because again, the script is like available online. Um, it's is like... It? Oh my God, can we up, just stop this podcast and read it? <laughs> just, just, we'll just read the script. Okay, hold on. Cut. All right, we're back and we just read the script. That was the best thing I've ever oh my God, Wow. wow. Uh, yeah, so hey, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like a line in the script uh, which we just read that says something about like, oh, he wakes up and he wonders what this white stuff all over his sheets is, but it's the web. Um, but I think James Cameron invented the. So it's like a puberty body horror movie. Yeah, well, which Spider Man kind of is, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like he invented the organic web shooters, right. and that stayed on on a Raimi's film. Um, but as, yeah, as in like the web shooters that actually came out of the body, yeah, like the body rather, started rather than it. the um, the like actual Ki- web shooters, kinetic ones. Yeah, I think yeah. that's way better. Organic ones, yeah, yeah, because it's like actually a power. Yeah, but totally. Then, yeah, but then it's like part of Spider-Man's character is that he's like a super genius. So he. But the yeah. weird thing about that though is that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe one, or the the Amazing Spider-Man on, is that he's not a genius it's just like it's it's tony stark giving him everything yeah yeah, yeah. and like he is because he he created the web fluid in the marvel cinematic universe one um but the actually the high-tech suit he did oh right because okay. he's um because tony stark when <clears throat> in civil war when he first meets him he's like oh this thing's got like tensile strength is like off the charts and he's like did you like tony stark's impressed by it so it's obviously right. something that Tony's like, okay. well, I don't know if I could do this. And he, you know, makes bloody Iron Man suits. Got to try and think of something better. But no. Super suits? Where is my super suit? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. That was... um, but yeah, there was like saying that there was um, uh, Spider-Man would take Mary Jane up to the top of the Brooklyn Bridge and like tie her up, spread eagle and have you know intercourse with her wow um 
That re- that is very nineties though. Yeah, like everyone was fucking into bondage on bridges in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> that classic Brooklyn bondage scene, yeah. you know, is but everywhere. They um, didn't. Ha- oh. um, in the comics, isn't that like where Gwen Stacy does? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's from... Brooklyn Bridge, but yeah, it's off yeah. bridge. Yeah. What a uh, what nice. an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that I mean. Leonardo, Spoilers for Spider-Man comics uh, from four uh, years ago. Do you reckon he would have been blonde? Do you reckon yeah. he would have been a blonde Spider-Man? Yeah, probably. I don't know if I could be okay with that. I reckon he'd probably be like an overrated Spider-Man because it was Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Is it bad that I'm picturing Such him as Leo DiCaprio from Gilbert Grape? Well, that's, well, yeah, it would be about that. That's yeah. my question. Is it is it pre or post Basketball Diaries Leonardo DiCaprio? Well, like the thing, if he was going to make this in the 90s, like wasn't he too busy working on Titanic? Well, Titanic was like came out in ninety seven, right? Yeah. So this must have been like ninety four that yeah. it was being considered because he would have been working on Titanic for two years at least. Yeah, well, I mean, Leo, like James Cameron working on Titanic would have been for like the whole decade. Although he made what well, was True Lies nineties, yeah. yeah, 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 um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting one to think about because and also he kind of didn't you do Aliens three as well? He did Aliens. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, David Fincher did Alien 3. Right. Um, and hated it. <laughs> but the... Uh, yeah, so the villain was going to be Doc Ock, but it was going to be... They were both bitten by the same radioactive spider and all the stuff and like... I but think- just one had eight legs that were mushy and, fla- <coughs> and, and flaily and one had... Uh. Spider Man powers. powers. Yeah. One had killed Spider Powers and one was just a mutant that was fucking young. <laughs> and that's like his villain motivation. It's just like, you look so much harder than me after the same spider. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, what do you guys think of. Do you reckon this film would have been. Do you reckon we would be in the same, like, movie climate that we're in now if this film would be made? I, the thing, the immediate thing that I think about is just that the only reason that Spider-Man could be as exciting as it was was because of how far CGI had gotten, like in the early two, like in two thousand, two thousand one. It's a controversial opinion. The cops are out behind. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. Oh, we've even got the helicopter. That's exciting. Yeah. Oh my god. That's, if you're hearing that, that's why. It's because Jeremy's got a controversial opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, uh, you just look. I, I just think back to. Um, I just think back to Jumanji and the CGI of like the little monsters in Jumanji, like the spiders, those clicky clacky spiders in Jumanji as like, this is what was possible with CGI in the mid nineties. And I just go, I just don't have any faith that James Cameron would have been able to get like the flying and and (laughs) Spider-Man scenes. Man, this is really, this is really quite (laughs) a lot. It's because we read that whole script, guys. <laughs> yeah, we illegally downloaded it. <laughs> I just, I can't. I really struggle to picture it's like a, a Spider-Man movie with Leo DiCaprio because he's, I don't know, he's sort of half so despised now because he's just that person that's in everything and you're just so... He's not fun. So over him and it's like, how can you see but him now as a that, fun when he was like the chi- you know, He was the serious child actor. Yeah. You know, he was like that that child actor who could do like the really hardcore roles. Do you think yeah. his career would have like taken the same arc if he was Spider Man? Well, I, I've um I should mention that he actually said in an interview that he like oh I had a meet, he, like he had a meet, meeting about it but probably wouldn't have done it because uh. he he like he's like, oh it's like Batman and Robin because he turned down Robin and oh. he was like oh I just wasn't 
ready to do that in my career. Well, and, it's then like, he did, and then he did Titanic with James Cameron. And yeah. the thing is that Titanic is what gave Leonardo DiCaprio the rest of his, the, like the ease of the rest of his career, I'd say. Yeah. Like in terms of you can get any role you want because you were in the literally the highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. but And like, it's interesting because he had this like pretty boy image, but then he's now just so like far removed from anything that seems fun. And it's, yeah, he like fucks beers now and stuff. Yeah, he got raped by that beer. <laughs> Do you hear about that, Jeremy? How he had to like come out and say that the beer didn't yes. rape him. Yeah, yeah, because like the sort of random like yeah. thrusting was just the beer like being angry, not hot and horny. <laughs> the fact that he had to comment on it. <laughs> I, yeah. um, Does that make it like makes you a little bit more happy? Eh? Nah. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, I mean, I think that what I and mean, this is way off of our, our remit, but like, yeah. I don't know how Leonardo DiCaprio managed to make Gatsby not fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's fun in Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Which is my favourite movie of his. Probably Scors- my favorite Scorsese can do no wrong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, where were we? Spider-Man, James Cameron, would it have been good? I just... Have you ever seen the uh, the Game of Thrones... Um, that Game of Thrones intro credits, if it were a 90s TV show? Yes, so good. A- amazing. Like, And so, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go on YouTube and look for like Game of Thrones 90s opening credits. And basically, it's just it puts you back in that 90s aesthetic of like what everything looked like back then and what they thought was like, this is a good way to introduce a character. They've even put like a VCR overlay on yeah. it. So it was like yeah. a bit jumpy. That sort of wobbly lines and yeah. And I just, that's what I get when I think about a 90s Spider-Man. It's just that it would be too like motherhood and apple pie and like, yeah. you know, even more so than um, Sam Raimi's version because yeah. Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi's version, the first one was filmed before September 11th, which is kind of the, the thing that turned everyone like sort of dark and cynical. And But then it, yeah, but then it, was released afterwards and it has the whole like you mess with spidey you mess with new york yeah and it's so like good. yeah it's it's okay to like new york <laughs> um yeah i think it's it's one of those ones that like yeah probably would have been good because james cameron hasn't really done anything wrong but i, I the raimi films are so perfect like even the fact that the third one's pretty bad like the the story of them being like that is like it, 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 it works and like the first two especially like are amazing and they like invented the superhero genre as we know it now mm. and so I to, like it's funny because I have to go back and and watch them again I think because oh I've never seen Spider-Man 3 because I just didn't bother oh oh my god <laughs> sorry you have to watch it like today <laughs> so, oh my god I just don't want to I, okay, I don't want to see do dancing that. emo Spider-Man I'm yeah. going to do that thing where I just rock to you rock to you and when it gets to the now dig on this like, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway like I think the Spider-Man 3 like retroactively poisoned the well in my mind. And the thing is, I obviously loved Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 because they were some of the first DVDs that I actually bought with my own money. Yeah. But now I just think of them and I'm like, oh man, what ter- what terrible movies. But obviously they weren't. Nah, they're so charming. Like, it's it's one of those, like, you look at it now and it's like, oh, it's just like an origin story. But it's like, it's the perfect origin story. It was the first one. And like, well, obviously it wasn't the first one, but Kirsten Dunst. And like, and the second one is like, we're having, I was having a chat with Rowan and AJ, friends of the podcast, recently about like the purest sequel 
uh, we're talking about the purest prequel to begin with and like so something like we, we said Monsters University is like almost the purest prequel because they, they always like Monsters University kind of like switches the main character a little bit but it's always like takes place so long before that it's not really a prequel or like it's not really a prequel because it like flashes back and forward and stuff like that and we were like what's the purest sequel in terms of like what a sequel should be what's the purest one and we had like we were throwing all these things then we were like oh Spider-Man 2 and then it's like yeah no that that's the correct answer in like, terms of something that wasn't like fully written and planned out before you made the first one yeah yeah, that was the thing that was the thing like the purest sequel the like if it's the purest sequel should it have been set up in the original film it's like well no the purest original wouldn't have had a sequel tease the purest but, sequel to the purest original yeah but like <laughs> in terms of like Jesus bumping up the stakes and like um, t- the, taking the character arc to like the next thing no one's recast as well that's like a mm. purity thing but like yeah it is like it's probably like the best sequel in terms of not only is it an incredible movie but also how it relates to the first one is like unparalleled almost so go check out Spider-Man the Sam Raimi films but we can't check out James Cameron's Spider-Man because it doesn't exist even though it probably would have been pretty good wow that's massive for you yeah yeah well see i might i might love um Leonardo Leonardo these days because i was like oh he was spider-man <laughs> you're such a marvel shell yeah uh so another like this is kind of a, a strange one uh patty jenkins who direct who's only directed two films so far uh monster and wonder woman both great films she was attached to thor the dark world which isn't a great film and she said, uh, actually got um, you know comments from her. So she said, it was painful and sad because I really loved those guys and I loved the idea of making a Thor together. But it's one of those things. You have to make sure that the movie you want to make is fully the right movie for that studio too. It was heartbreaking. But also I knew that it was good. But I also knew that it was good. I knew that it was good because I didn't think I could make a great film out of their script. And so apparently her like version of it was a Romeo and Juliet-esque space opera that hinged on the separation of Thor and Jane Foster. If I do it and it's what I think it's going to be, I can't help the fact that it'll represent... Oh, so this is like when she turned... Why she, part of why she turned it down is that basically she will be representing women directors. So she said, if I do it and if it's what I think it's going to be, I can't help the fact that it'll represent women directors everywhere and then that's going to be bad for everybody. As heartbreaking as it was, I was also like, oh my God, I can't do something that I don't believe in in that big of a scale. I knew that it was going to set not only me back but also women directors. Yeah. Well, that's the thing because the thing is if a woman director, like one of the very few times that a woman director gets the chance to make a big budget, like, you know, Hollywood movie yeah. um, with all of the resources and then it's bad everyone's like oh see see women directors can't do it yeah so it's actually quite intelligent for her that, to be like it, actually, it is but it's a shame that, that that discussion has to be had the fact that she's like well I'm letting down my entire gender if I make a bad film like that is sad totally but I mean and but this is also this the this is the flip side to the fact that she made Wonder Woman and everyone's like, see, women can make a kick ass movie yeah. that's way better than what a man could have done with that. Yeah, look at Thor the Dark World, that was directed by a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean it's 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 one I think it's one of those the 
like just the the facts are that being a female director is still on the cutting edge and so when you're on the cutting edge if you do something bad it's noticed by everyone and if you do something good it's noticed by everyone and so it's yeah. very intelligent for her to realize that she's in that kind of paradigm where what she does like after you know doing a movie that's nominated for Oscars and stuff like that um and gets all this kind of attention the next thing she does actually has to be high quality because everyone's watching yeah i mean that's why she waited like over 10 years uh just as a woman what do you think uh yes and do you think her version would have been better than thor the dark world do i well yeah because anything would have been better <laughs> oh <laughs> uh yeah i mean like what do you think of the uh doing a romeo and juliet-esque space opera that the the crux of it was the separation of the two of them okay that sounds amazing like, yeah. do we, like, where else do we have that? Like, a, a superhero actually being concerned. Well, I guess, but like, I guess like a mature, because it's interesting because you've got, sorry, I should explain what I'm saying. A superhero <laughs> being separated from like the woman that he loves. But it's like. Or she loves. Yeah. Uh, like, Thank you, Richard. But, that's right. <laughs> Jeff was like about to like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I guess you get that in Spider-Man, like, you know, the whole, you know, Mary Jane and Spider-Man thing being, and to a certain extent, you get it in Iron Man with Pepper Potts, but Pepper kind of like, she can kind of take care of herself. She's got her whole, like, you know, I'm the person who runs your company and all that sort of stuff, but she's the boss baby. Oh my gosh. Um, But I think it's interesting, you know, an adult superhero like Thor, you know, like a superhero that's actually like like thousands of years old. Well, yeah, (laughs) but like he's, you know, there's the difference between like um, the Flash and Spider Man being like these young kids who are kind of full of hormones and they sort of can't control their emotions and stuff. And then you've got these sort of adult superheroes who are meant to be able to like, you know, uh, separate their feelings from like the good of humanity like i've got to do this for the good of humanity and in marvel correct me if i'm wrong but like the marvel cinematic universe so far we haven't really had too many i don't know maybe i'm really like forgetting love stories well like just well, yeah there's stories kind of, yeah. that hinge on like that's what i was gonna say yeah with like they all have like love interests but i mean other than like i mean it's not marvel cinematic universe but like uh the original spider-man trilogy like none of they all have you know, they're like um, Doctor Strange has Rachel McAdams, Pepper Potts, and Iron Man. And they've, they've all kind of got like their little googly eyed person that they look at. But there's none that are actually about romance. Yeah. Or and like as a substantial character because they're like, oh, all these, you know, male superheroes have this female love interest. Oh, but guess what? They're smart because she's a doctor. Oh my God. But then they'll she's develop got her own any thing sort going of character on. or yeah. like anything. Like Black Panther did it did it good because yeah, it was yeah. actually like the yeah. girls were the ones having fun in Black Panther, or the woman I should say, yeah. uh, were the ones having fun in Black Panther and Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther is, is the most boring character in that film because <laughs> he's just the straight man to everyone around him. And it's... It, it was cool to, to flip that around because, like, the villains were more interesting than him. The whole the woman that yeah. he works with were more interesting than him. And, and so, yeah. for for a Marvel uh, a Marvel Cinematic Universe film to like not have a massive like you need to save the the universe, you know, like if you don't do this, then everyone in the world will die, or everyone in this invented Serbian town will die. Like it, <laughs> like <laughs> instead, it's like actually the 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 crux of the film is this relationship between Thor and this human woman, and like. Makes it real personal. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Like it, it would be. And, and man does that as well, right? It's like the, the world's never at stake. It's a relationship is at stake. Yeah, and I think I think that's it's interesting to go with like a core Marvel character like Thor, who's one of the adult Marvel you know superheroes, 
and actually in a way and, and i'm using this term advisedly reduce his goals just down to like making a relationship work yeah and especially like the fact that this was uh the second film to come out after the avengers so uh with that like in iron man it's a it's a personal story because it's like the 10 rings and he calls out mandarin and so you kind of understand why you know they're there but he, he could have called them at any time but if thor just needs to get to jane foster like yeah we're never going to be like wait why don't they just call the avengers because the world isn't at stake he just needs to be with his love and also like natalie portman's character was so hard done by thor the dark world like she's a nuisance in that and be and like she hated doing it she she hated being it. but i feel like like there was one of the put in against her will kind of things and i think with a director like patty jenkins at the helm she probably would have been you know actually kind of acted in it which would have been good but she wouldn't have actually she, she wouldn't have played a female actress like uh, actor like that yeah like, it, it wouldn't have been like yeah it, the 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 female character would not have allowed to have been sidelined as much like that. Yeah, yeah, she would just be like a character in the film rather than like the female character. The, well, yeah, the female nuisance who yeah. prevents Thor from doing what it needs to do. Yeah, and then like Thor the Dark World is just such a bland, like flavourless film. And like it, it, it's in Asgard, like it should be beautiful. And like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's very flat, it's very boring. And... Like by all accounts, Alan Taylor is like a competent director when it comes to like his work on Game of Thrones and and HBO shows and stuff like that. But Thor: The Dark World, Terminator Genesis, they're not good. Mm. They're not very good. But like, yeah, and we're twenty films into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can have one of them be a love story. Like I know you're you're making these films for boys, kind of thing. But I mean, you've you've made one film for the African American community like you can make one for girls as well like if you're if you're so like it took uh like 17 or 17 18 films before you're like okay we'll give african-americans one and they don't even make have Black a female Panther. character one, but yeah well yeah there's ant-man and the wasp is the first the wasp is the first title character that's a female that's, um, that's so ridiculous captain marvel comes out in february um and that's good that's the first um, one but it's like that's interesting because do you reckon it will be along the same vein of Wonder Woman or do you reckon it will be very marvelly and but it's just a female uh, I don't know it's also set in the 90s which is interesting um, but yeah I think that we did like we can all agree Patty Jenkins as Thor the Dark World would have been a lot better it would have been better I still don't think it would have been good given the constraints that she's talking about. Like, it wouldn't have been good, but not because she's not good, but because she was... And also, it was early... The fact that she walked because she knew it was going to be bad. It was early early stages Marvel Cinematic Universe where they still felt like they had the answers for what they needed to do. And this is before they realised, oh, actually, there's a bit of... There's some character fatigue here. There's, you know, all this stuff, which is what led them to hire Taika Waititi and allow him to do what he wanted to do. Yeah, because after Thor The Dark World, Chris Hemsworth was was like, I don't want to do Thor anymore. Yeah, and so he was like, "I love doing the comedy of it." So then they got Taika, and he was like able to really have some fun with the character. Yeah, and it's it's almost a shame that Patty sort of came in like too early in the cycle of that to yeah. for her to actually be for them to actually be looking for a director who had a directorial voice. Yeah, yeah, because that was a, that was when they were really like hired directors who have worked on TV a lot because then it feels like episodes of a TV show. Yeah. And Thor the Dark World's probably the mo- the movie that's most um, suffered because of that. Like episodic. Yeah. 
But um, <laughs> meanwhile, on Asgard, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's what it's like. Eh? But <clears throat> yeah, I think oh, I was going to say something else, but only you would know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Is it that you got to let me have a sneeze break, please? Sneeze break. All right, and uh, we're back from a sneeze break. Jess had a great sneeze. Thanks, um, guys. Appreciate it. And we also reread the Spider-Man script while we, while yeah. we read it. Uh, yeah, so another one. Uh, this is the last one. Um, did any of you guys watch the first season of True Detective? I I watched the first two episodes. Yeah, you didn't watch any of it, did you? No, but no. I re- it's been on my list for years. Obviously, yeah. But it's well, just, I'm never going to get around to it. It was one of those shows. It was directed by one guy. The whole thing. And it was very stylistic, and he was developing a adaptation of the book It for a long time, uh, starring Will Poulter as. Uh, Pennywise, and if you don't know who Will Poulter is, Google Eyebrows Kid, and he is the oh person that shows up. God, is he the guy from Maze Runner that's got the crazy eyebrows? Yes. Okay. Yes. So he was playing Pennywise, the clown. And so that's one of those, like, yeah, I'm pretty interested to, like, see what that would have looked like because I feel like he's probably a really capable actor, but he hasn't, like, done th- these kind of roles yet. Uh, but yeah, well, he. Think of the range of emotion he could achieve just with the. <laughs> just with eyebrows. Face alone. Well, just imagine. If those eyebrows were painted on. <laughs> yeah. But he was... Do you reckon they'd paint over his eyebrows or use them as part of the character? Mm. Maybe he would have just been eyebrows. <laughs> just the whole face is just yeah. eyebrows. Eyebrows the clown. <laughs> <laughs> Penny brows. Penny what eyes brows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys saw it. You saw it, Jeremy? No. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, okay. Well, it was a very good film. And, and this is from someone who hates horror. Uh, yeah. But it's it's... I'd say it's it's more of a Stand By Me clone than it is a horror film. But yeah, he said the main difference, says Kara Fukunaga, um, said the main difference was making Pennywise more than just the clown. After 30 years of villains that could read the emotional minds of characters and scare them, trying to find really sadistic and intelligent ways he scares the children and also the children had real lives prior to being scared. And all that character work takes time. It's a slow build, but it's worth it, it especially by the second film. But definitely even in the first film, it pays off. So he was going to do the split into two films as well. Um, unknown, but it feels like he might have had the child orgy in his film. Oh. Well, we still might get there, right? In flashback. Mm, remember that time we had an orgy? And then, um, yeah, basically the, the book... <laughs> the next 30 minutes of the film was just... <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the film ends with... The book ends with... They're, they're stuck in the sewers and <clears throat> Beverly, the only female in the Losers Club, is like, wait a minute. What if you all have sex with me? And they're, and they're like, but we're 14. She's like, yeah, like let's all have sex. And then, uh, yeah, they all like... Imagine have sex with their one after the other and then um the one who like is supposed to be like the stephen king allegory like the one he put himself into um is like the last one to do it and is like you know gets all like sloppy like sevenths or whatever but um and then after they've all had sex with her to like you know bring them all together one of them's like oh it's this way and they like find their way out of the sewers because they're they were brought together as a team um now, it's unknown if this was in Carrie Fukunaga's version, but he has talked about it being, like, controversial and, like, the studios might not have liked some parts of it. That really is a horror movie. Like, yeah, that's... Oh, my gosh. But also, like, why would... I, I just want to know why Stephen King put that in there. There's well, obviously no plot. I just, like, I just love you, like, you're like, one of the most twisted minds of our generation who's come up with, like, some of the most crazy, weird shit yeah. anyone's ever heard of, read, or seen... 
how could he have come up with that? <laughs> the child orgy. But like, like, well, because the thing is, he says he like doesn't remember writing some of his books because he was doing so much coke. And then so like in an interview, he was like, oh, do you like, you know, you must have regret putting that scene. He's like, no, I stand by that. (laughs) 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 Like like, like, gave you an out and you've said that you're on heaps of coke. Just say it was the coke. Well, I guess it certainly does create a mood. Yeah. Imagine if he didn't even write it. If someone came into his studio and was like, oh, it'd be funny if I put this in his book and he never edits it out. Yeah. I mean, like that thing that they do when they're like, they put explicit scenes into movies to like make sure they're reading it. Like, uh, in Good Will Hunting has like, the original script had this real intense gay sex scene. And, um, and when they shopped it around to studios, they were like, yeah, we love it. Hottest script. Because it was like advertised being the hottest script in Hollywood. And, the only person and so the only person who read the script and was like i think you should cut out the gay sex scene it doesn't really fit was harvey weinstein and so that's why they were like this guy obviously great at his job let's obviously let's a stand-up guy who we company. should definitely trust with our future acting careers yeah and so that's how they uh matt damon and ben affleck got into bed with harvey weinstein so to speak you are the worst <laughs> <laughs> uh no but yeah that, that, that is actually interesting because it was um but and there's like uh, there's stories of like directors as well putting something like when say there's like a murder in it that they're like real attached to they'll put <coughs> say there's a murder in it that they're real attached to they'll put like a child orgy in there and then send it to the, the mpaa the motion picture association of america um for rating and then they're like, oh, just get rid of the child orgy and you can have an R rating rather than NC-17. And then they don't care about the gruesome murder because something else is so much worse. Huh. And there's like examples of that all through like IMDb trivia. But there's some when it's like... It made it through anyway. Yeah, it made it through anyway. And they're like, like I think Scream had some of them. Oh, Scream 2 had some of them. Like, put all this extra shit in. But because they loved the first one, they're like, yeah, you can have it all. <laughs> Whereas like the first one, they had to do that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, Carrie Fukunaga's it. I feel like it might not have been that different from the film we ended up getting because it was pretty decent. Because you trust both directors. Yeah, like I mean, I, I don't know too much about the guy who ended up doing it. Can't remember his name, but yeah, I mean, the the film that we ended up with is really, really good. And yeah, I'm not sure what would have changed because it seems like very pure. Yeah. Although I would have liked to see Will Poulter play Pennywise. I want him just to do like cosplay of it just to see what he'd look like. Yeah, like what his version of Pennywise would have looked like. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing like with, with such like a um, uh, like inventive kind of film that has like a lot of creative decisions of like how things are going to like monsters and stuff like that. It would be cool to see mm. a, a, like a, a darker director's interpretation of a lot of those things. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's kind of all I have. Um, there are there are a couple more. Uh, what's your favourite director that got booted from a film? There's plenty of examples out there. Um, some might surprise you. Um, uh, Gone with the Wind changed directors, and so did Wizard of Oz. So there's just two for you that we didn't talk about. So let us know in the comments below, wherever you are listening to this, what your favourite thing was. Did you enjoy this podcast? And uh, remember to like, comment, and subscribe on you know Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, yeah, cult pop share and all of those. LinkedIn. Are you guys on yeah. LinkedIn? No, LinkedIn is awful. 
Oh. Do, you, do you use LinkedIn? No, I just it's very important, I've heard. I've got LinkedIn and I made the mistake of, like, well, not the mistake, but I advertised for a job on Facebook and then I had a million LinkedIn requests from that email uh, address that right. I posted for people to send me their CVs and now I'm just like deleting my account. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. I'm not in an industry where I need to be in LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn's so annoying because it's like... It, it, it thinks it's so much more important than it is. They're like, this is the one, this is the social media for job finding. Oh, pay us more so you can see who viewed it. I don't care. Yeah. LinkedIn's terrible, man. All right, anyway. This so was our don't f- like us on LinkedIn. Don't, yeah. If you mention us on LinkedIn, <laughs> we will find you and we will not pay to see more of your profile. Don't go on NZ Film Community and find my post and then send me a LinkedIn request. Or do. And and tell tell Colt Popshaw sent you for fifty percent off your first job offer. <laughs> Come be a PA. All right, and uh, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, good on you.